All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Lore Lodge Official Podcast. I am your host, Aiden Mattis. This is Aiden Thornbury. And joining us today from across the pond is Ryan. Ryan, you want to introduce yourself to the people? Yes. That, is, uh, that, that was my first exposure to you, was one of your Alexander Simphids. Uh, <laughs> which is just... Yeah. <laughs> you good? Apparently not. You're making me check my hydration. Good lord. Oh my god. They can't hear him, apparently. Uh, great. Even though we, he's showing up. Yeah, he's showing up. Uh, How can they not hear you? Ryan, can you talk? It's I just don't... Uh, but the thing is, like, we're... It's not on our side, you know? Uh, is it... Let's make sure it's outputting... Yeah, I don't even know. Is that output capture being... Everything we hear, they should hear. Can you, uh, here, remove that, um... Remove that. This guy? Delete it. I hate Streamlabs so much. Alright, yeah, now go to add. Um, okay, go to Audio Output Capture. Um, add. New source. New source. Um, and go to Device. Yeti. Uh, which one's it? Sorry, it's... Uh, wait, hang on. Um, yeah, it's that one. Blue USB Audio 2.0. Now close it. Do you want to do that, or is it... It's that. Yeah, okay. Okay, close it. Got it. All right, Ryan, can you talk for us again? Okay, we, we, how we doing? Well, it's showing that we can. It's showing for us. Yeah, on my screen, you've got, like, the little green light to say it's recording and sending audio. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, we can, we can hear you through Discord. It's just a matter of Discord, our Discord yeah. call going into the stream. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, okay, Taylor says it's working now. So I guess we should yeah. just do yeah, a new we'll audio just do the intro capture yeah, yeah, every, every time. time. Like, oh, my God. It says a little loud, but we just fixed that. Um, yep. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Lore Lodge Official Podcast. I'm Aiden Mattis. This is Aiden Thornbury. That's Ryan. Ryan, tell us who you are. Hello, I'm Ryan, otherwise known as uh, the illustrious history daddy, although not the illustrious bit, and um, otherwise known as the guy who simps for Alexander. Which is, of course, a glorious way to be known, yes. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you've been you've been doing TikTok for a few months, like, yeah. at, at a... At a high level right yeah yeah properly like i think i really started to blow up about august last year mm-hmm. i think that was when i like it started to go from like a couple hundred like a couple hundred people to like out of nowhere i had fifteen thousand, and then it's just snowballed from it i think we're nearly at 50k now which is still it's fun, small but it's a fun experience yeah. oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. oh yeah it's small but it's significant you know it's it tells yeah. you you're doing something right you're on the right track and especially if it if like if it came from you, like shot up to fifteen thousand, and now it's been yeah. steady. That's how you know you're it's doing been, something right. I find it goes like, and then like, and then it just shoots up yep. and then plateaus, and then shoots up and then plateaus. Or you're like me, where I'm 
netting about an extra five followers a day now because I have people unfollowing and people following. I hate TikTok so much. Yeah, that's annoying. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, like we're not going to show your videos to anybody new, and also we're going to have people unfollow you. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the way of the world. But what we have to talk about today is, of course, the most important aspect of all of this. Um, Alexander the Great and the, yes. the simping for him. What, tell, us, tell us why you simp for Alexander. Um, so I don't know if, if it, you would have ever seen it, the TV show called Horrible Histories. Yes. Based on the books by Terry Derry. Once um, Upon a Time. Yeah, it's Terry Derry, isn't it? Long, long ago. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the glorious days. Um, I, there, I, I first saw Alexander, there was a sketch, um, I call it the Skinny Mandria sketch, where Alexander's just listing out all of the cities, and they're pointing out all of the cities that he's conquered and named. Alexandria, and um, by, by the end of the sketch, he, he, um, his mate's going, well, maybe we could, um, you know, name it something else, and then, like, Alexander hints that he should name it after him, and then he goes, well, if you actually conquered the city, you could name it Skinnymandria, and then, obviously, <laughs> that, I found that hilarious as a young child, right. um, so I then went, okay, I'm gonna look this up, and the fact that he was just as arrogant, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, like, up himself, um, as the show described, I fell immediately in love. I mean, I have a very bad judge of character, but <laughs> um, so I was immediately like, "This man is amazing!" Right. Um, and that just led me to an obsession with ancient Greece, um, and uh, to much to my parents' annoyance, because every time they put on Hercules, I would immediately sing Heracles. Over, over the top, because I was so annoyed at the Disney pronunciation, um, which is also why I over-pronounce a lot of um, Eastern European words, because my brain's like, I have to get this correct, and then it always yeah. does it, and then someone's like, this is just... You've yeah. overdone it. Yeah. <laughs> You've yeah, made a mistake. Yeah, um, yeah it, it always, like... He is one of those figures, though, in history that, like, yeah, he was definitely arrogant, but did he not earn it? <laughs> yeah, no, he definitely earned it. Um, in fact, he did have a humble moment. Do you know the philosopher Diogenes? Yes. Um, yes, I love this story. Um, Tell it. Yes. Tell it right and now. So, <laughs> Alexander obviously heard of Diogenes because Diogenes was famous for just wanting nothing and all he wanted. And in fact, um, the only possession he had was a barrel and a bowl until one day he saw a child scooping water out of like a pond and he went i don't need the bowl threw the bowl away and then just lived in the barrel anyways alexander heard about this and was like oh i have to meet this bloke so he gets taken to georgines and um he, he just sort of stands over georgines goes hi i'm alexander you've probably heard of me and georgines looks up and goes you're in my son <laughs> alexander completely humbled goes if i were not alexander i'd be georgines and georgines goes well, I'd still be Diogenes. <laughs> and it, it's just like this absolute moment of... And Alexander, to his credit, took it in his stride. He just he found it hilarious and then just walked up. He definitely was a bit... Like, you can't have conquered that much and not been a little bit hurt by that. But he yeah, just, a from the story, bit, yeah. he, he, he just walked off. And, um, but yeah, that's, that's probably, other than the Gordian Knot, is my favourite Alexander story. Yeah, and yeah, since, since we're brought up, why don't you tell us about the Gordian Knot? Um, so the Gordian Knot um, was pretty much... I'm, again, it's a very. I, I, I'll give a very brief account because I don't know the intricate details because I always forget the intricate details. But um, long story short, the Gordian Knot was the um, 
was the knot that it was said whoever could untie the knot would conquer all of Asia. Um, however, when shown this, Alexander was never given the specific rule set of, of how of how this works. So he just took out his sword and sliced it in half, which, <laughs> in by technicality, um, yeah, it is an untying. Technically, he's, 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 he's untied. I mean, it's, in his defense, he did go on to conquer all of Asia and everything yeah. else. I think my favorite well, what, my, my favorite part of all of it with Alexander is that you have a guy who started off basically mm-hmm. with, you know, not nothing, but it, it, Macedonia was not a particularly large kingdom even after he became hegemon of all the yeah. Greeks. I mean, for the time he's got, period, he ends was, up controlling Afghanistan. Uh, well, like, the man was playing Crusader Kings in real life. <laughs> like, and, and I, I know Bactria, yeah, calling the, the Greco-Bactrian kingdom Afghanistan yeah. is a little bit, a little bit of an exaggeration. But yeah. at the same time, you've got a guy yeah. who like he he hopped over and like just kind of. This is a man who. Why didn't he go into India? Um. Well. That was mainly to do with the fact that his army was like, we're, we're really fed up with that. We haven't been home. Half of us haven't seen our families. I mean, half of them, there was, there was a big chunk of them because uh, I, I do want, I do go on small tangents, so I will try to stem them. Um, that, that he tried to marry off a big chunk of his military command to Persian wives once he conquered Persia, which backfired horrifically because it turns out women who have just been conquered and have all their husbands killed aren't too keen on marrying your men. Uh, so it's, it's something they're not really into. Um, so a lot of his men had also have like Persian families um, that they're low-key want to get back to and make sure you know, haven't run away mm-hmm. with, like, a load of their wealth, um, and the rest of the main soldiers. Because you've got to remember, at this time period, the baggage trains normally had families at the end. Yeah. Alexander wasn't as big on it, because he didn't really like feeding large mm-hmm. armies. Um, so, all of these guys were just like, we, we want to turn back, like, I'm not going to die for any further. Alexander was like, this new land is amazing, I want to conquer all of it. If Alexander had had his way, he would have I don't know if he would have made it for all of India because obviously it's a very different terrain and the battles he fought there, he did win but not as successfully as he had been. I yeah. don't think, I mean there's, there's there's some real fanatics out there who are like, he would have conquered China if he had had the chance, but I don't, yeah. I'm not I don't think he could have pushed that far I think his army would have become tired I think if he had survived further I, a lot of people disagree with me, and this is a very controversial thing to say I think he would have pushed west because he would have was like the early sort of Etruscan Romans mm-hmm. like start they're not nowhere near as powerful as they are, uh, would become but like that sort of prowess he would probably see that as a challenge and the west and the Celts and everything would would be enticing to him so I think if he had lived longer he wouldn't have moved east he would have moved west. Yeah, I definitely looking back at it, you know, it was the correct decision to not go for mm-hmm. India. From a strategic yeah. standpoint, uh, going for India would have been Napoleon going for Moscow. Um, yeah, like it, it just would have gone horribly for him. And at the end of the day, I do, I do wonder, you know, had he actually survived the journey back, had he made it back, first of all, you wouldn't have had the, the issues with the Diadochi um, yet. Mm. But I mean, the guy could easily have conquered Carthage. Could easily have gone. I mean, Carthage probably would have been the hardest. Yeah because of just where it was regionally, but he could easily have gone back, marched up the Illyrian coastline, and then down into 
uh, mm. into Etruria and probably I, had all of it. I think he probably would have entered into an awkward alliance with, with Carthage because you have to remember, like, Carthage was now probably looking at places like Egypt. Like, Alexander walked into Egypt and was pretty much treated as a liberator. Mm. liberator. Um, it was a similar situation um, in Judea, which the, the Seleucids would cause absolute chaos with yeah. later on. Um, but I, I think there would have been a semi like semi alliance. It definitely would have broken down. But um, I don't I don't know if he would have tried to attack Carthage. I think he would have focused more because again, like Carthage is a is a viable trading partner um, for Egypt. So I think that though those open plains would have been mm-hmm. far more enticing. Um, like in sort of northern Europe, and as you go towards the steppes, probably would have been more enticing to him. But do you not think that eventually, like, do I guess my question is: if you look at the history of the Roman Empire, yeah, it took them from the second founding of Rome in three ninety BC. Mm. It took them from three ninety all the way through to I think they conquered uh, Judea in like sixty eight BC. Yeah. It took them a hundred years to do what Alexander did. Yeah. Do you think Alexander could have done it in his lifetime, what Rome did? I I don't think he would have taken um like Gaul and stuff like that. I he definitely wouldn't have taken um actually no, the Germanic tribes hadn't really established themselves that much at that time. So he might have been able to take Northern Europe. Um I he probably would have he would have taken Italy easily, 100%. The, the Etruscans and the Romans at that point. And the Romans probably would have put up a decent fight. You have to remember, um, looking like the only sources we have are obviously later, and the closest I have is, is Pyrrhus of Epirus, who the Romans said was the closest they ever came to fighting Alexander. And yeah. Pyrrhus, near, if Pyrrhus had had the actual strategic mindset he, and taken right, he made the same mistake Hannibal did. He didn't push on Rome when he had the advantage. Yeah. Um, if Pyrrhus had done that, he would have taken Rome, which says, to me, with Alexander, with a much stronger force and a much better tactical mindset, um, probably would have taken Rome with ease and fight the rest of Italy um, also. But the only point of contention I could see would be Spain mm-hmm. um, and maybe Sicily, and that would be where Carthage and Alexander would come uh, come to blows, I think. But I, he definitely wouldn't push to, to Britain. Um, because you have to remember the Romans didn't really want Britain that was only there to make I can't remember which emperor emperor actually was that went through Britain but that was only there to make him look good Nero wanted to pull out Nero was really big on like if Boda had won Nero would have pulled, uh, mm-hmm. pulled Rome out um, so I don't think he would have pushed that far west because it just wouldn't be worth it to him but he definitely would push just past Italy I think and a little bit north, but he wouldn't conquer like up up north. With with Massalia there, he would at least have a Greek foothold on on the Gallic coast. So I can't I could see him definitely pushing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just I, I think but, he's, uh, yeah. he he was so ambitious as a figure that I, mm. I I wonder not necessarily you know I wonder if he would ever choose to stop versus, you know, would he be forced to stop. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah, I'm thinking of it too much. I'm looking at his strategic mind more than I am his ambition. Which, yeah, no, I suppose there was quite a few times his ambition overpowered his strategy and exactly. his tactical mind. That I will admit to. Yeah. What do you think the world would would be? Di- how do you think it would be different if he had never succeeded? If he had never died? Sorry. If he had never 
Because obviously, if he had never succeeded, the world would be different in a much different way. But if he if he hadn't died yeah. in three, it was three twenty three, right? Uh, I believe it, I believe he died in three twenty three. I believe it was three twenty three. Um, yeah, I believe it, I believe it was three twenty three. If he hadn't, what do you what do you think the world would look like today? Yeah, was three twenty three. June three twenty three. Um, if I, it, I I don't believe there would be much difference purely because this is going to upset all the Roman fanboys. The Romans took a hell of a lot from the Greece, uh, from the from the Greeks. From the Greece. Um, yeah, the Greece. <laughs> um, the Romans did take a hell of a lot from. Them. They did make it their own. Um, as I was, um, as I was, as, as I was schooled on by Roma de Omnia. Um, uh, but we would have far deeper Greek influence um, or a Hel or Hellenistic influence. In fact, you probably wouldn't see the proper Greek identity because Europe, instead of having like an overall Mediterranean influence and then obviously a Germanic influence which would receive the Celts. The one thing Alexander was very good was convincing people, um, you know like uh, the scene in uh, in Rogue One which is like congratulations you're being rescued, please mm -hmm. do not resist. Right. I, I, I think you would have a, a, a Greco-Celtic culture emerge mm. um, because he would conquer but he was much better at assimilating Whereas right. the Romans were much better at making you Roman. Right. The whereas Alexander, yeah, the the whereas Alexander obviously because he's doing a speed run, right? He's mm. he's you know he's he's trying to do a, a Minecraft speed run. Um, so he understood that he had to respect cultures more. He's one of the first leaders to have a, a unified currency as well mm. across the empire. Um, so that would be, if he had lived, the main difference would be a deeper connection to ancient Greece, a lack of a modern Greek identity, and a more Hellenic world overall, um, with different subcultures a lot stronger. So you wouldn't just have, um, like, Saxon, Celtic, um, Scandinavian, like, Germanic overall, Slavic. I, though, like, you would have, like, there would be a Greco at the start, of right. most of those because it'd be so deeply wedged in if his son could control it and we don't really know much about his son because his son didn't get a chance to right. do anything because of cassandra i think that that's uh, a a great a great segue too because uh alexander's death is a very mysterious um event yes. i i remember yes. growing up i was taught that he died of malaria um i was always taught he died of uh, alcohol poisoning. You heard alcohol poisoning? Yes. Interesting. Alcohol poisoning. Holes in the stomach caused by the alcohol. In fact, I've had two versions of that where he died of alcohol poisoning and died because someone poisoned the alcohol. <laughs> Jeez, they were... <laughs> this is brutal. Yeah. Um, so, but... So, as for... I mean, obviously, his death is the, the topic of a lot of, of mystery. He clearly died from some sort of illness whether that was yes. alcohol poisoning or malaria or, and I'm not, I'm not hardline on this. I don't really know what happened. I don't think anybody, we probably never will know what happened unless we can find his body, but we mm. can't find his body. And that I think is fascinating because obviously his body was being transported to Alexandria when it was lost. I have Where'd theory. it go? I have, I have theories. Um, there's right, a, there's that's why you're here. I want to hear your theories. There, there, is a, there is a particular, there is a particular saint, um, 
who, again, I said earlier, I, I forget names, like nobody's business, but there's a saint buried in Venice. I, I think it might be St. Mark's tomb in Venice. There's a particular saint's tomb in Venice. However, when they was doing, like, um, a little bit of archaeology, uh, they discovered some, like, Hellenistic artwork on the walls, and there was, like, a couple of shields. And, obviously, the internet went, what if what if it's Alexander's tomb? And, mm. like, if you look it up... I, I'm going to have to do that up as I speak. Um, if you look it up, the imagery is very clearly of a certain conquest. Mm-hmm. And that is why... I, don't, I can't share the images with you, can I? You can tell me what it is, and I can look it up. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm trying to so I can describe it, because I need to be able to describe it. Um, so... There it is. So, basically, it's like... The first image is like you can see the phalanx wheel and you can see the actual phalanx being in place. So it's clearly Hellenistic marble and clearly um, Hellenistic um, artwork. It might not be some marks. Um, it might be another. No, it is marks too. Neither here nor there. Um, and so obviously the main current theory is that Alexander was moved to Venice or his tomb was reused. Um, for St. Mark's, I believe St. Mark was himself moved from Alexandria. I'm not 100% sure, but the running right. theory, and it's the one I personally believe, is that Alexander's body is buried within St. Mark's tomb. Um, yeah. I don't know why they would want to hide him, but obviously he's, he's, he's a, a, a technically a pagan symbol, so I mm-hmm. don't know, but then you're getting into mumblennial conspiracies, and I don't want to yeah. go down that road. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a fascinating idea, like, I'm trying to find the exact, uh, you know, picture so I can take a look, but, but St. Mark's was built, that's like, that's, that's medieval. Yeah, I know, the, the idea is that he was moved, um, into St. Mark's Cathedral, that's the, the, the running, the theory, obviously it's not. So it would, that would require that somebody took his body when it was being yeah. transported, kept it somewhere secret for hundreds, well, a thousand years, and then... That's the... That, I mean, I will admit, defi- definitely um, some fall-downs in the theory. No, I'm not um, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just like, I'm trying to think, like, who... What would be the utility of keeping his bot? Like, who... Because it's, um... I mean, someone that strong... Um, here we go. There's the... There's the... From the the independent, I'll, I'll I'll put the link in Discord, and that's got the the rough story. This won't mess up if I send it over to Discord. Well, it won't mess up the sound. Will it? <laughs> Don't certainly won't mess up the sound. All right, okay. this is this is interesting because I I found uh, some of the artwork from the tomb, and that is definitely a a Regina son. Yeah, like that's yeah. not that's not questionable. Are saying that's the Greaves, that's the Zistan, and that's the Shield. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's suspicious, isn't it? Yeah, that's. That is interesting. So that would be. So strange. And you gotta, like, oh. where, where would it have been prior to that, you know? Like. There's a couple of theories. There's a couple of, like, obviously, there are a couple of gaps that I'm, I'm not 100% on. I. I, I I think that it would be because it's a power symbol, because mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's like if you own Alexander's body, if you have that in your possession, mm-hmm. people are going to take you seriously. 
Because if yeah. it's the, it's, it's just that link. It's that subconscious link to. Um, well, it was I, very common so throughout I, Christianity in Europe have, as well. The having the body of a saint I, was I, very I, important. I was going to say if, if I took like, like uh, Ulius's. I'm using the Latin pronunciation because I'm pompous. Um, <laughs> if I was to take that and say, like, and I went to Italy and I was, like, trying to revive the Roman Empire, it's going to take a subconscious link because I'm like, look, I have Julius Kaiser's body. Take me seriously. And if right. I just turned up and, like, was like, sup, I'm going to reform Rome. Even though but the both the both times they're probably going to look at me like, you okay? Uh, right. But they're going to take me a bit more like seriously and go, oh no, he does mean business because he's gone and found Julius Kaiser's body, whose body is also missing. We don't have. I did not know that. I didn't know that we didn't have his body. If you look it up, um, he was rumored to be in this particular object, which the Pope broke open, and they couldn't find it. He is allegedly buried in a couple of different locations, like Robin Hood, where Robin Hood's allegedly buried in a couple of different locations. <laughs> We don't effectively know where his body is. Right, of course. So it's, it's weird. There's a lot of like we don't know where um, Genghis Khan's body. Just going properly into conspiracies, we don't know where all these really, really important figures of history are. You gotta wonder if that's like if, if that was deliberate. If these people who knew that they were going to be extremely famous, you know, if you're if yes. you're Julius Caesar, you know that you're that you've cemented your place in history. You gotta wonder yes. if they had their final wishes like. You know, if they had told friends, colleagues, you know, when I die, yeah. tell people I'm being buried here, but put my real body here mm. so that they wouldn't be defiled after death. Like, yeah. Especially with the way that uh, pagan societies viewed that mm. and how your burial circumstances often could have an effect on your, um, you know, the state of your body at, at burial could have an effect yeah. on your position in the afterlife. Like, I could totally see them, you know, pulling a pulling a bait and switch, you know, having this immaculate sarcophagus being put into some giant uh, mausoleum somewhere, and then the actual body is buried under a farmhouse. Yeah, more than likely. I mean, if, it, to, to, to really reinforce that, Chinggis um, Khan, we know for a fact, did have his light body, so like everyone that was at his funeral was then killed, and then his body was buried by like some random guy who, when he came back, um, he, um, his they son killed was, him like, too. Like, one of his sons. Yeah, was like, you done it. And he was like, brilliant. And then the ancient Egyptians, after they realized everyone was stealing their stuff from um, their t uh, from the pyramids, that was when they was like, okay, here's the amazing stuff. I'm actually buried under a pile of dirt, just unmarked yeah. over here. But there is maps to know where it is because they needed to have it like checked yeah. and stuff. Because um, obviously the, the way... I'm not 100% on the Egyptian religion system, but you go with me. It's confusing. Um, yes, it's very confusing. I, I used to have a much better understanding of it as a child, ironically, because mm. um, I read a lot of Egyptian mythology, and then I haven't since. Um, Fair. I've been getting a little bit more into it as I have been researching early Judaism, because uh, early Judaism has a lot in common with Sumerian, Canaanite, and mm. Egyptian religion. Uh, yes. Which, again, people go on to be like, oh, well, that proves that Judaism is... a you know, rip off of so and so, and I'm like, nah, we don't know who was first here. Actually, like all yeah. of these, all of these are pre pre written religions, like <laughs> pre write pre pre writing religions. So we don't know which came first. Um, but I do want to use that uh, the, the topic of Alexander's death to talk about one of the other big important uh, events of that time period, which is the fact that after he died, his empire immediately fell apart. 
Um, yes. So I got to ask you the question. Uh, who, who's your favorite of the Diadochi? Antigonus. Antigonus? Antigonus, 100%. Oh, you got you you to tell me why. I don't necessarily disagree, but you got to tell me why. <laughs> purely because he came the closest um, to, uh, to reclaiming the entire empire. Mm-hmm. And this is where my Ptolemy hate comes in, because it was <laughs> a little bit of, like, Ptolemy was really shifting alliances. Not so much he was in the battle. So my, I think you actually, Antigonus's last battle was up against Lysimachus, wasn't it? I might be thinking of it. I, I might be so. getting mixing up names. Yeah, I might be mixing up names. Yeah. Um, for for but, those who um, aren't familiar, let's uh, let's let's lay out who these people were. Um, the the Diadochi were Alexander's closest companions, his generals, the the top men in his army. Uh, that included Lysimachus, who ended up being king of Thrace, um, yeah. Seleucus, who ended up being king of, for lack of a better term, um, Asia, and so basically every uh, southern Anatolia through. Um, the Mesopotamian region, as well as the Levant. And then Ptolemy took Egypt, and Antigonus had Macedon. Uh, is that all of them? Uh, There's four. I don't think Antigonus actually originally had Macedon. It was Cassander that took Macedon. Was it Cassander? Yes, Cassander, because Cassander allegedly killed um, his... his um, Alexander's son, and if depending on what story you believe, allegedly killed Alexander. Yeah, I definitely Alexander. knew about him killing Alexander's son. I didn't know that. Uh, didn't know about the Alexander connection. Allegedly, I allegedly, point, allegedly. allegedly, because it's not, it's not a um, a, a duty action agent. Allegedly, mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to get a uh, a button that pulls up a graphic of an ostrich. Every yes. time somebody says allegedly on the show, yes. um, that is a, that is something you will only get if you watch American and Canadian television. But <laughs> yes, and once we get a stream deck, I think we can actually do that. I have a stream deck on our Amazon wish list. If anybody wants to buy a stuff off of our Amazon wish list, it's in the uh, the AidenMattis.card.co. Just saying. Um, we need more sound panels. We do need more sound panels. Anyway, moving on. Moving swiftly along. Um, so, uh, you, you got to tell me, why, why Antigonus? Is it his claim? Is it because he was the closest? or like? It's, it's, purely, it's purely because he was the closest, and he also taught Pyrrhus Veprus, who I also have a very soft spot for. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I, I, uh, Pyrrhus Veprus actually gets me more views than Alexander does sometimes, because even more nations in the Balkans claim him. <laughs> so even Which none of them should. <laughs> Exactly. Um, it be, uh, in fact, in my first Vepris, uh video, I was genuinely shocked on YouTube when I didn't get anyone because I openly called him the last Greek warrior king, um, which I think it's is, accurate. Which is true. That's what kings and generals call him, and mm-hmm. they have some pretty good sources. Um, so that's my like my biggest reason. Even though um, Antigonus uh, and his son which was Demetri- yeah, Demetrius. Demetrius. Uh, Demetrius would end up butting heads with Pyrrhus. Um, mm-hmm. that, that early, that, like, we wouldn't have Pyrrhus of Epirus if we didn't have Antigonus yeah. first. In fact, Antigonus II, um, which is another reason why Antigonus, because again, it all leads in to this, like, the final con- confrontation of Pyrrhus. Antigonus II wept when Pyrrhus of Epirus died because he mm-hmm. was reminded of how amazingly close Antigonus got to reclaiming the empire and actually uniting it, mm-hmm. and then was just pushed down by other 
lesser generals, and because Pyrrhus had been killed by some lowly, like you know the story of Pyrrhus dying, he was um, he was fighting a, a he was a, struck a, in the head with a roof shingle, right? Yes, in the chest. Uh, he, so chest. he was he was struck down from his horse um, in the chest by he was fighting a, like a random townsman townsman because mm-hmm. he charged into this town. The mother threw the shingle down. It hit him in the chest. He fell to the floor, and while he was on the floor, he was beheaded. And Antigonus mm-hmm. II saw this as horrific. Like bearing in mind, this was like ancient Greece was honor above. Like even mm-hmm. the medieval period would look at ancient Greece and be like, oh wow, they're into honor. Like mm-hmm. honor bound stuff. And right. like the fact he'd done that. When Antigonus II's son came towards him with Pyrrhus's head, Antigonus II was like, "That's that that like that's disgusting. You know that happened to our family. Like you shouldn't mm-hmm. have more respect for your enemy. Mm-hmm. Like that like we're going to kill him, yes, but mm-hmm. do it respectfully, which is right. a weird concept to us in the modern day. Yeah, but I think in a weird like it's it's oddly when beautiful. We, I think in the modern day when we when, when we fight people like we've conditioned ourselves societally that if the that the person we're fighting is is evil. It's, we've gotten rid of, in a a very odd way, we've gotten rid of the concept of, like, that war doesn't have to be because your enemy is evil, it could just be because there's resources that you both want, and there's no good way to determine who gets them other than to fight for it. That's not to make a comment on a current war that's going on right now, that was a general statement. (laughs) But Aiden, how could you possibly kill someone for something that seems so civil? I don't know, apparently with a roof shingle. (laughs) <laughs> it's, the idea, it's the it's the idea of honor it's the idea of honor um which um right up until um uh, world war one was mm-hmm. really instilled in every single person because it's honor for your country it's honor for your your king your queen your emperor mm-hmm. like your your uh, for your family if you if you don't go and fight you're not fighting for your family for your country you should be proud and that obviously kind of spiraled in the mid 20th century which was what um but that that honor bound is why mm-hmm. we were we were ready to go into the horrors war and when people came back um you have stories of people going absolutely crazy still even from like ancient greece and that you can find stories of what is clearly right. ptsd um but because of that honor bound sense like and obviously a lack of understanding in medicine hippocrates like if you look at some of his notes he understood mental health way better than we would for thousands of years after him mm-hmm. um but that honor bound sense meant it just wasn't talked about and you were going to fight for the gods like that right. that and so as once that was lost i think that is why now instead of heroic stories of, of the argonauts setting off mm-hmm. on quests or um of of of, of people leading charges even in the Falklands I suppose were like mm-hmm. last sort of drabs and like the, the heroic stories of war mm-hmm. you have now in, in like in the modern age in the 21st century you have stories like Franz Sticker and Charlie Brown mm-hmm. uh, you have the stories like the Battle of the Bulge and you, the, like even for its horrific inaccuracies saving Private Ryan and, and, yeah. and Fury and stuff like that because now we now we've come as a civilization to go is it worth it? Is the, mm-hmm. the nation state, is is our like religious belief, is our is our government worth fighting for? And I think the only thing most people would say is for family, and that's why yeah. in World War Two, they everyone switched up for you're not fighting for your country, you're fighting to defend your family. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gonna the Nazis are gonna come for you. Exactly. Um, and that's why. Sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there about honor. No, no, you're um, fine. Yeah. We love <laughs> the tangents. Um, I, I I am very good at that. <laughs> 
Yeah, so are we. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're all in good company because we are all three people who could go on tangents for far too long. So have no worry. The entire point of this show is a tangent. So yeah. you're so going to go. I do want to know, because obviously I, I, I have my, my Alexander pretty well, and uh, Ryan is over here having wet dreams about him. So... Um, <laughs> What what do you, do you have questions about any of this this time period? Is there anything you've heard that you're that you're curious about? Honestly, a lot of it's just learning. Like you know, <laughs> I, I I had a general base understanding of Alexander the Great, as in he was a guy who existed who was really good at being a leader. Uh, the, my my scholarly education really did not focus on Alexander the Great. Uh, none of my history classes really focused on anything prior to like twelve hundred. So a lot of the things that I've you know, been hearing now and just generally being friends with him is stuff that I've never encountered before. So it's just kind of interesting. No general questions. I mean, with some of the video that gave us gave me some information. Honestly, I'm just finding this entertaining and interesting to listen to. Uh, if I think of questions, I will ask. Okay, but yeah, as of and right uh, to take a moment to, to talk about questions, since at a certain point tonight, I don't know what time it is. Um, it's seven forty-five. Yeah, in about close. fifteen minutes, we will be getting to the question and answer section, which, of course, the standard practice is that mm. we. We'll answer Super Chats first, and we will get as many questions that are not Super Chats as we can. The show is at a hard limit of 8.30 tonight, because in the Discord, we are doing movie night at 9 p.m., so, uh, you know, that is something else you should know. You can go to discord.gg slash the War Lodge to join that. What's the movie again? I believe it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but I could be wrong. Ooh, uh, but I just wanted to slip that in there while we have a quick second, too. And I do want to hop on to what you just said, because... Um, there just is, like, this entire period of history from, uh, like, the death of Alexander in 323 up really through kind of the the, the Macedonian Wars, in my opinion. Um, I guess the Punic Wars also. But I guess up until the Punic Wars, that just doesn't get talked about in school. It's like, Alexander conquered the world. And then a hundred years later, <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing happened for a hundred yeah. years and then Rome. Yeah. And that's just, like... It's so fascinating to me because the wars of the Diadochi are so interesting as a concept. Like, the mm -hmm. fact that the Seleucids were constantly fighting the Ptolemies and, you know, ne nobody was getting anywhere. Um, and then the the Greco the, the non-successor Greek states that emerged out of this, Epirus, uh, the, um, the, the, uh, the remainder of the cities of the Hellenic League, and then you've got Syracuse yeah. off doing its own thing and Massalia doing its own thing. And um, over in the Black Sea, you've got uh, the the Archibosporus. Um, like, just all of this this period of history where there's all these things there that just don't get brought up in school. Here's how little Massalia is, is spoken about, especially in the UK. I didn't know Massalia was a thing until I was learning about the early Celtic cultures um, two weeks ago. I, <laughs> I genuinely didn't know about Massalia. Did you watch our video on early Celtic culture? Um, no, I have not. I'm ashamed. You should watch our video in early what did, what did we just record before this? Uh, just before this, we recorded a video on, um, oh yeah, we recorded, that wasn't early, but we recorded a video on the, uh, the, or the beginning of the, uh, English conquest of Ireland. Um, so. There's a, there's a fun little fact, like, so I, I do, if we get time, I do want to talk a little bit about, about folklore if we get a chance, because there is the fun little time. Let's do it. I do have a, a little bit of Irish, Irish heritage. Let's and, do it. Um, obviously, my favourite story is of King Arthur. 
and my middle name is Arthur, and my first name mm-hmm. is obviously Ryan, which means Little King. So I love, was my favourite tip, but is I'm technically Little King Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> love That's awesome. It. My favorite tidbit, but um, yeah, no. If you ever, if you want, if you want to go into ghost science, really, I can talk about. Yeah, that. let's I, let's talk about it. Let's yeah, talk now's about the time. We got 15 minutes before uh, question time, so let's kick it. Um, let's let's start off with a particular. Uh, so I think I'll I'll talk about the one um, I said on the chat last night actually. Um, of when I when I was um, I think I was about six or seven. Um, me and my brother used to have have bunk beds. You remember bunk beds when that was a yeah, thing that course, parents yeah. would choose. <laughs> Um, so I woke up and I remember seeing like it looked like a large set of curtains. Oh, that's my phone. Should have gone silent. Apologies. Um, and it looked like there was a load of curtains. And I was like, why is there curtains in the middle of the room? And then I sort of like woke up a bit more. And I looked up and I can just remember like getting to the point where there should have been a face, but like wasn't any indications of a face. But I knew where it was looking, and it was like looking at my brother in the bunk above me. And I was like, huh. Did the kid thing, threw the covers over, and like slowly peeled them back, and then it was like looking, and then I watched it move down and like look at me again, no face, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, nope. Did the kid thing, and then I pulled covers back one last time, and it was still there, and for some reason, right, bearing in mind I was terrified, for some reason, as a child, I just went, well, if I put the cover over my head and go back to sleep, it might go. And that was what I did. And, like, weird reaction. If it was now, I probably, you know, would be trying to, you know, punch it, like, doing right. something. But, like, that was the weird kid reaction. Um, and the other um, the other story going into it more often. So um, I used to do loads of paranormal stakeouts, and none of mm-hmm. them had any effect, apart from this one place at a park, which I won't name because I will end up doxing myself, um, <laughs> where we was on the stakeout, and me and my mate had just gone just gone for a whiz outside this particular hut that was meant to be haunted but it was the best place to go without anyone you know like because british police like to hover around and catch you for menial stuff right um so we walk we walk back out and coming out of this bush we see a dog and we're like oh wow it's like but it's a really jet white dog it looks like if you ever seen the dark crystal the big beasts where they like come out and they've got the big wings sort of thing look like that and then in one fluid motion just goes like that in like to on all twos and then looks like someone in a bicycle cap mm-hmm. and shoes and just carries on running one fluid motion um and that obviously freaks out at the same time we did also see um w- what we called the woman in white we saw a random woman in a hut and that uh, freaks out we never went there again and then my, i think my last story of the hundreds that i could tell by i don't want to take two hours to do it um i was i was visiting uh, this this like, uh, like semi old it was like a Georgian house and um, I, all I can clearly distinctly remember we walked into this one room and my my family walked ahead of me and they went on this massive rug and I can just clearly hear like from the right ear someone screaming get off the rug um, and I was like huh but no one else heard it and I thought I, I, I went to my dad I was like the man the man told us to get off the rug but I was like who I looked up this painting right don't know why but my brain was like him and my dad was like yeah nah. we went around the whole house towards the end my, we go to my dad goes go on tell the lady at the front desk your story my dad thought that she was gonna like put it down and like mm. you know say oh yeah no we, we yeah no it's just you know um 
but she just turned around, she pulls out a book of all the people who have been said they've either seen this one particular bloke <laughs> or, or like like heard him say stuff to them. My dad just went. Oh. So that was the scariest one. Apart from, I had several night terrors that were sort of bled over to real the real world, but they're a bit too creepy. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's my my three standout ones. My three Jeez. standout ones. That and the time I saw Black Shark, which was when I was again, I was in Army Cadets and I saw like this massive dog, except he was more brown in colour, and he like just sprints across, and mm. um, that was the closest like. I, I like looked up and then I was like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's black shark. That's the closest thing. I also saw it like had used to have a shadow that watched me while I slept. And then oh, that's all. Um, what I've been. <laughs> we've all I, seen I, a shadow I, man. I, oh yeah, no, we've all we've all had one of those. Um, but then after he was soon replaced by um, what I've been told was a brownie, um, and it was like this little creature with like massive long ears and it was mm. like sort of leathery and it had like brown skin like a snout. Um, and then the last thing I saw was like a, a, a large tall blurry but brown figure which i have been told was a fae um mm-hmm. um again i'm not i'm not saying this is all real it's just stuff i've yeah, seen it's stuff you've experienced really yeah um and then i saw it walk out of one tree and into another tree and then disappear um and that was when i was very young so that's sounds like a yeah man. i have mm. I, do, I do i've been yeah I, I i do i do have a photo that i tell people is of a fae and if i can find it i will send it to you I would love um, to see it, but it, it's like because I haven't been able because it's 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 like a clear mark and you can see like legs and it's like it's just a black shape mm-hmm. on the screen but like you can clearly see wings, a head and like two like legs, and it it because it was a photo I took of a Crusader Kings two game, mm-hmm. um, and in the corner like reflection I was like that's not a mark on the phone that's not from the computer, um, I do have it somewhere on my I do have it somewhere on my my PC. So we'll have a look if I can find it. I, I should have thought about bringing it on today, but um, fine. yeah. I I, 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 wanna, I, I, wanna, I do have a question about Black Shuck though. Um, yes. Because the uh, so here here in so I was doing I actually did research on that for our Hellhounds video today. There we go. Um, but uh, it seems that it is a a bad thing a hundred percent of the time to see like that it is a yes. an omen of something some tragedy or even death. Um, the Welsh one is a little bit, uh, more angry, the Gwilchi, which just immediately rips you to shreds. In Connecticut, uh, which is about the most English place outside of England, um, there is a, a black dog of the Hanging Hills, uh, who apparently, according to Connecticut folklore, if you see him once, it is for joy, something good is going to happen to you. If you see him twice, it is, uh... For sorrow, so something bad's gonna happen to you. And if you see him a third time, you're going to die. So, does Black Shuck, where you're from, have any of the same? Black Shuck normally is like it's a million different. The normal one is um, it's it's quite a bit like the I'm gonna mispronounce that, and I'm sorry, twenty one from Scotland, the the Karenek, Karenek, okay. um, which is a bit like a banshee. Like if you see her, someone in the family was um, going. To Diane, and most famously, she was heard wailing or seen um, the night before, or the night before, and the night of the Glencoe Massacre, mm-hmm. um, which I won't go into because it'll take me way too long to explain. Um, <laughs> Can you give us the cliff notes since most of our viewers are American? Um, so the Glencoe Massacre, basically, um, I think it was just after James was deposed, um, the Clan McDonald's didn't swear fealty to 
William, I think it was William of Orange, yeah, it was William of Orange, um, didn't swear fealty to, uh, to William in time, even though there was a bit of tomfoolery, they did delay it because the, the, the McDonald's were, very, were a very stubborn Highland clan, um, and then they were made an example of by some other, um, uh, by some other Scottish um, lords who had sort of like really like closed in and were like, yes, we're the popular kids now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they sent in a load of guys who were then, um, but this is why anyone who understands like the, 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 when you have, when you're a guest in someone else's house, how bad this is, all of the soldiers slept in the McDonald clan's houses, um, then in the middle of the night, woke up, and then um, in the, the most polite terms I can, uh, removed the throats of, ah. opened up the throats of many of the um, men, women and children, set fire to the homes, uh, many women then died freezing in the moors. Uh, I know this isn't really black shark, but it's, it's, I suppose it's related. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. It's one of. It's still regarded um, as one of the most horrific events in Scottish history. And which is saying Scottish, something. Oh yeah, the Scottish <laughs> people that were, were that that were involved in organising it are considered absolute traitors. Um, and uh, in fact. Um, I know obviously he's got some um, controversial, but um, Count Dankula does a very good video on it, and um, he explains why it's still, there's a lot of animosity um, towards the English. In fact, I actually used to know um, some of the descendants, um, and really? that, that story still reverberates with them. Understandably. Because it is literally, because it's, it's horrific, but but the, the main, like, the legend is that the, the crown egg, and again, I do apologise if I'm not very good at pronouncing Gaelic, um, the, uh, like she was seen at least at least on one of the, either the night before or the night of mm-hmm. or both, and so that's uh, that's the sort of the, the the big link to Black Chuck um, is because he was seen in a similar light. Mm-hmm. So he was seen like a banshee, um, where it was an omen of death in the family. And then in some stories, it's if you see him, it's you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in some stories, it's just bad luck, Family. bad omen, yeah. like bad, bad harvest, bad anything. In fact, in Sax, when Saxon and, and then later Norman and English folklore sort of like merges, it's almost always harvests. We, we, mm. <laughs> we were obsessed, like the Saxons and the English were obsessed with bad harvests, if you mm. see it's bad harvests. Um, the interesting side of the rhyme you're doing, that's crows. In our folklore, it's if you see a crow, it's... Um, the amount of crows you see. So if you see one crow, it's one for joy, two for sorrow, three for, uh, three for, three for a girl, four for a boy, and like mm. that goes on. So it's the number of crows you see, which is interesting. I've never heard that rhyme associated with black shark. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. Connecticut. Hmm. They, they, yeah, that's probably if it's, um, they, they've probably just sort of gone. Well, I remember this vaguely. Probably. So that's mush. <laughs> Connecticut does have a good amount of like pretty intense ghost stories, but in terms of folklore, they're kind of lame. Yeah. Um, well, but that's not... that was the one thing I wanted to ask before we go to uh, to questions. Is like you know in the U.S. Uh, you, you definitely hear a lot of like ghost stories growing up. We're very into into folklore and um, mm-hmm. and telling ghost stories around the campfire. And but that that's the thing is it's mostly ghost stories and urban legends. Um, you know what what was it like growing up in in England as far as uh, ghost tales and monsters and things. Is that something that people have any solid belief in over there or do you at least tell stories um, to one another? We we tell we tell um, ghost stories. Um, 
but they tend to be more attached to like Victoria. Like if you're like um, York is the the most haunted town or most haunted city in the UK, um, and that will be where a lot of ghost stories come from. So you have like obviously that that's one of the few places in the world you actually get Roman ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there's a place in the, in Scotland where you actually there's there's like a pre-Celtic ritual ghost who's meant to appear, mm-hmm. but he appears less and less every year, which is very interesting. It's the mm-hmm. only um, Neolithic ghost I've ever heard interesting. of. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the, the time um, here, it was for, for me growing up because I was homeschooled, so I have a very different um, I have a very different like sort of experience of youth. And I do my most school kids. Right. I, I learned about Bloody Mary very late, but my original idea with Bloody Mary was the Queen. Yeah. Um, like, <clears throat> the idea was that she would come and get you, and then that sort of evolved into the the mirror one, which was sort mm. of came back from America. Um, <clears throat> for me, it was just regular ghosts like living in the attic. Um, there was never really a, a set theme, and if it was, it was normally something like. Um, black shark, like don't go out or don't don't go into the the woods too late. The right. the the, the uh, I hate to use this word; it's going to upset a lot of people. That the fairies will get you because mm-hmm. that was the, the the awful version of the English, which I when whenever I've spoken to um a Gaelic speaker, they they get very upset if I use the word fairy, so I tend to say fae. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... no, it's. it's it's a, it's an interesting term with a lot of mm. history, but it's and this is what we're going to be talking about next week when we're having Piper on, because um, she's her master's is in folklore, so we're mm. going to be talking about the Fae. Uh, the the term is so broad. It's so broad. Yes. Oh yes. yes. And, and you you've got like and you got seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year old girls on TikTok who are talking about you know I'm a witch and the Fae and, so, and I'm like you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> It makes me incredibly angry because I, I know a fair bit. I, ironically, oh, unsurprisingly, I know quite a lot about Greek folklore. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, Wonder why? Yeah, uh, to, uh, to be fair, also a lot of Slavic um, folklore. I like like stuff like the Leshy, the Domovoi, mm-hmm. um, which I based a lot of my, which I'm the second um, script I'm writing. Um, that a lot of that's based more on Slavic and Greek folklore. Um, but in British folklore or in English, um, in English folklore, you have stuff like I think I think there is a Welsh and Scottish equivalent. I'm not sure about Irish, but um, hmm. the the red cap. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know why. The, there's a Cornish. The Tommy knocker um, is very Tommy, similar, the but the Tommy knocker is underground. Tommy, yes, the Tommy knocker I love because it's it has completely different meanings. Where you like there is a Scottish version of the Tommy knocker. And there is an American. I know there is an American version of Tommy Knocker, but uh, uh, no, no. The Irish version is the most interesting because the Irish version is that uh, I may be mixing this up again. Apologise to anyone if I mixed them up. The Irish version is they help you and they're knocking to like go get out because this mind's about yeah. to collapse. And then the Scottish version is um, it, we want to knock it down because we find it hilarious. Um, yeah. Which, to me, I think is the more realistic version, because when you look at... Uh, I mean, obviously, Piper won't like, know more about it, but um, the Fae almost always have one thing, and that is, we want to mess with humans. Yeah. This is, like, we, like how can we mess with humans today? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, again, yeah. why I like the Red Cat, because it just goes along after a battle and goes, dip, I like, you've just decorated my cat. Thank yep. you for dying. Yeah, we did when we did our video on goblins last. Uh, it was probably December. Um, that was one of the ones we came across was the red caps that are just like these murderous goblins that live out in the woods. 
Like, mm. um, and I did I did just find the the wording for it. So I uh, the uh, in Welsh the the fey are itiluith uh, teg, and it means uh, the same thing as it does in in Irish the fair folk. Uh, yeah. And um, it's uh, they come in five varieties, which are elion. Um, that's not right. Echlion? Echlion? Uh, that's a hard word. There's four... This word is E-L-L-Y-L-L-O-N. I, Wales. Uh, the Cablanai, the Bubacha, uh, the bu- Bubachod, the Gurgev Anun, and the Gwichion. God, it is hard to pronounce that language. I do, um, I, uh, I, I do have one question for you, because I, I was curious about this. Um, in the UK, we're taught hobgoblins, like, uh, first originated in World War Two, and they specifically, on air raids, would take out the engines of British fighter pilots and British bomber crews. Is it? Do you have a similar thing in the US, or is it...? <laughs> That's not what hobgoblins are to us! <laughs> um... Our, our hobgoblins got over here in the 1800s. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so at least to my understanding, the, uh, the American version of the hobgoblin comes out of the, uh, the English and Scottish hobgoblins of brownies. Um, yeah. And in ours, it's, it's not that they will... Uh, they're not necessarily mischievous in a negative way. It's more that they'll like take a block of cheese and move it. Like, <laughs> um, which could just be an example... Uh, an explanation for people mis- misplacing things. But, um, no, the the deal here with hob... They're almost, like, akin to gremlins. Um, like, there's a set of rules, like, respect your hobgoblin, and it, it'll it leave you gifts. Uh, don't respect your hobgoblin or be mean to it, and it'll, like, you know, cut your brake lines. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of how they are for us. They can be either good or bad. I suppose that's kind of simple, because obviously the brownie is... Uh, uh, the brownie is obviously the direct version of that, as you say. But the, the hobgoblin, like the fight of the, the pilot stories that I read, were always like they were leaving offerings to the hobgoblins so that they mm. wouldn't like chew through the cables and burn down the plane. Um, and it's they're, so they're funny. Also, the, 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 in Slavic folklore, you have the domovoy, and I love the domovoy. There is also a female counterpart of the domovoy who is tends to be the more evil one. But the domovoy, from what I, I might be mixing them up again. Um, but the Donvoy, like, as long as you feed it and, like, you're kind to it and say nice things and, like, you say thank you for cleaning the house, it just cleans the house. However, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, a, um, if you're a non-nice person, I cleaned it up because I didn't want YouTube to censor you, but right. if I swear, um, if you're a non-nice person, um, the Donvoy just calls out absolute havoc. It's the same with right. Leshy, but that's more wooden stuff. In fact, there was a, there was a story I read of a woman who lost her mobile phone, but she was a practicing, like, um, witch. So she left offerings for the leshy, did a ritual, went back and was like, basically, if you find my phone, can you like leave it at the edge of the forest? Um, went back to uh, like sleep, woke up next morning, phone was on like on, on a stump, like yeah. left for her on, her on a stump. And like I heard it, like I, I again, I'm not saying it's hundred percent true, but I I low key believe that because it's the stump detail. Mm-hmm. If it was like, oh yeah, the phone left me at the edge of the forest, it's the weird detail of it was yeah. left on a tree stump. Like it was like an agreed place to put it, and I low key like that makes it. I know it's very unbelievable because you'd think the less you would have a bit put up a bit more of a fight with deforestation, but <laughs> it's that little little Love bit. That detail. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean I, we're gonna hop into uh, super chats in a second, um, but 
One thing that I just have to say on the subject, because we're talking about losing things and then making a deal to find them. You know how I lost my sunglasses a year ago? Do you remember this? I was complaining yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, when I lost them, I looked everywhere. I, mm-hmm. I, it was, I, I, and here's, here's the thing. I left them at my parents' place. Mm-hmm. I left them at my parents' place on a table in the living room, and they disappeared. When I came back from them, they weren't there. Mm-hmm. I searched everywhere for them. My car, Christian's car, my mom's car, Ainsley's car, I, my room, Ainsley's room. Like I searched everywhere. Nobody in my family could find these sunglasses. Uh, I, and I even like tore apart every bit of my car, my glove box, my console, mm-hmm. my back seat. Ev- looked everywhere. I got home from work on Friday evening, um, getting ready to drive down to Philly for a concert, and I reach into my uh, my console. I can't remember what I was looking for, but I reach in there, stick my hand down. Sunglasses. Oh. I had checked that spot numerous times. Yeah. And a, a couple days earlier, I remember saying to myself out loud, man, I wish I had my sunglasses. Like, while I was in the car. Yeah. So I was driving, and I'd take a turn that I, t- takes me straight west, and the sun's, like, right here mm. when I get out of work. And I was just like, man, I wish I had my sunglasses. Sounds not not even a week later. Right. And, and I'm like, I know those weren't there. I know for a fact they were not there. That's wild. But that said, it is time to transition over to the Q&A section. Um, y'all have been very quiet, so I hope you have built up some questions. I know this has been a bit outside of our usual topic of discussion. But uh, I hope people have questions. I would love to love to get stuff, especially if it's stuff that uh, that Ryan can answer, um, you know, about Daddy Alexander. Well, so far, the only... Oh, uh, boy, there's one. There we go. Well, we got a uh, super chat from... Uh, the first one was from Douglas Ives for $2, and there's nothing there. Well, thank you, Douglas. So thank you, Douglas. Uh, and then the next one is from Hannah Farmer for $20. Thank you very much. It says, uh, what are your favorite... Diogenes stories aside from the one told. You got I guess one? it's for um, both. Checking, because I, I, I have a story, but I think <laughs> it's not Diogenes. No, it's Diogenes. Yes, okay. Right, I'm happy that I had to have this right. So, um, I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, I review to you. Have you heard about the Featherless Biped? That, that is my go to. <laughs> do, do, do you want to tell it? Because I told the earlier story. Uh, yeah, so, um, I, I don't remember all the details, so you go for it. Um. <laughs> uh, okay. So, basically, Plato, who was a student of Socrates, um, I, I am 50-50 on Plato, I'm not his biggest fan, not, not don't really hate him, um, mainly because Plato's Allegory of the Cave is really Socrates' Allegory of the Cave, and Plato just published it. Um, but, you know, stealing your mentor's work is not bad. Um... <laughs> So, Plato came out and was like, a human being is a featherless biped. So Diogenes comes along and goes, he plucks, like straight up plucks a chicken, goes up to the steps of Plato's school and goes, there is your human, which forced Plato to then um, change the definition of, um, of a human as a featherless biped uh, without, I think it was without claws. I might be wrong on that. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just an amazing like the, George. Like I say, George Neese was absolutely um, insane. Um, he he was very commonly um, he he obviously he lived in a barrel um, which he would take everywhere with him, um, which didn't have the best uh, toilet or restroom 
uh, facilities. I'm translating. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so he would quite commonly, if he was upset with you, would open the little porthole and just wee on your shoes. Um, and if he was really upset with you, he would use projectiles, which I'll leave to you. <laughs> use projectiles? That is a very gentle way to say that. Yeah, uh, I think uh, my, yeah. my favorite is uh, the story of uh, when Antisthenes, his mentor, tried to, um, like, and I had to look it up to make sure I got all the names right, but I uh, was just getting really sick of him because he was basically just hounding him constantly. He would sleep outside of... Antisthenes' house just to bug him um, to make like to, to beg him to take him on as a student yeah um, and at one point uh, Antisthenes starts beating him with a stick because he's being so annoying and Diogenes goes strike for you will find no wood hard enough to keep me away from you so long as you I think you've something to teach <laughs> just, that's awesome that's great beat me as much as you want I will learn to read like <laughs> And you're going to be the one to teach me. Quickly, if I can segue very briefly into something Socrates did. When they tried to rescue him from prison, they actually left him because he just kept asking them why he was try why they were trying to free him. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, Socrates was just... There's some, yeah, he did some shaggy shot, but um, we ignore that. Uh, uh, but, yeah, he was just... I love Greek, ancient Greek philosophers. They were just insane. Yeah, so many great characters. And uh, yeah. I, I do I remember, I, like... The, with the whole Alexander was a woman was actually a woman thing, and the argument that like, you know, oh god, the whole Mom thing Lenny was just. Mum Lenny follows me. I don't know yeah, why. No. I don't know when that happened, but she follows me. She and unblocked she me. Mate, maybe she's turning a new leaf. Well, maybe she has stopped. She has, for the most part, stopped with the Rome nonsense. So, good for her. Uh, let's see. Um, Iz goes, you expect me to have questions? Ha, I give you money and gifts and be your friends in return. Can you tell Archie I love him? Yes. Archie, come here, buddy. He's sleeping under here. Oh, uh, no, he's oh, awake. Oh, yeah, but... Yeah, because I called him. Come here, come here, come here. Uh, also, real quick, what's the... Um, come here. What's the roast of Mattis on oh, Saturday? Oh, this is something that we planned uh, last night. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a roast of me. By who? Uh, the Discord. Oh, jeez. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna live stream it. It's gonna be a roast. Oh, good lord, that's dangerous. I, I would do that on Twitch. You're, you're welcome to, probably, yeah. You're welcome to come, uh, and be in studio and it's... roast me or be roasted. Oh, boy. Um. When is this? What time on Saturday? Probably 7 p.m. on Saturday. Okay. Uh, let's see, uh, let's see. This, Behold this a man. Uh, mom says, got, my mom says, got to hop on a call, but great podcast. Aw. Thanks, Mom. And Thank she said, you. eat your veggies. Uh, Smart. I don't... What's a veg? What's a vegetable? I think there's some, like, weird, like, green thing. Oh, okay. I don't like... I don't... I, I don't... Mean, green is my favorite color, but I don't, I don't think it tastes good. green. <laughs> Brighton doesn't eat blue. <laughs> Hammond for $5 says, what for you call a reference. wizard that loves pastries? A pyromancer. I love that. I love puns. I love yeah. I, I, puns. Are so I did a pun earlier. I did a pun video on, on TikTok earlier, which I, I, I can repeat, but people will hate me. Um, Fair I do. I do have to ask since you're here and since you were here last night. Um, I, I need to ask your opinion. Uh, doors or wheels? Wheels. Okay. I made that clear in the chat. I, I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure in case people weren't here last night. I just thought of another variable for that equation. What? Roller skates. No one I've seen has mentioned roller skates yet. 
Well, you know, we, uh, you know what I pointed out to Cat? Cat is Team Doors. Um, I pointed out that in this room, there are, if you count anything with hinges mm-hmm. as a door and you count windows as doors, this room has about 11 doors. Mm-hmm. However, uh, each of these guitar amps has about eight wheels on it. Mm-hmm. Each of these chairs has five wheels, so ten wheels. Each of our microphones has five wheels. Yep. Tell me there are more doors. And I was like, this room is a microcosm of the world. And she was like, that's not, this is not a representative sample. And I was like, yep. is it not, though? There was also an interesting one about uh, blades of grass versus hair uh, in the world. And I did the math. Um, there are more hairs on, I can't remember what it was. It was like, I think it's there are more hairs on a single human body. Oh, no, sorry, no, 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 that was it. There are more hairs on the collective human bodies, like just he- top of heads hair, than there are blades of grass in the world, period. That's not including body hair, that's not including any other animal with hair. So it is by far hair. But I just thought, I found that interesting. I'm also amazed that that information, that data, is readily available in a very fast Google search. <laughs> Like, you have to do some math, but it's not that hard. Oh, you said it's really great. Sure. Like, the, the absolutely, like, defining, like, like ends the debate on wheels versus doors immediately is the fact that every door must have a hinge, therefore, and every hinge is technically a very tiny wheel. I agree with you. So mm. if you have, like, if you have, like, one long, one long hinge, each door has to have a minimum of two wheels, mm-hmm. right? That means that for every door in existence, there is double the amount of wheels, even if you don't include every other wheel that isn't attached to a door. That's true. Yeah, I mean, that, that ends it. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> Doors people, BTFO. <laughs> uh, is said for $5. Thank you, Is. Uh, get both Aidens there, of course. We won't be holding back. Yeah, that, that's as be expected. Also, uh, Taylor, accurate statement, but mildly concerning in... An out-of-context scenario uh, says, "Did you know that you have an above-average number of legs for a human?" And they're right. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, my brain, my brain went somewhere else with that. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that's where mine but went first. Ryan, but then, you saucy okay, man. But yes. <laughs> The then, title uh, of this episode is Do You Simp for Alexander? That's like, fair. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Valid. Well, afterwards, I'm going to rename it to Why You Should Simp for Alexander. Oh. Smart plan. Um, you know, because I, we had to find out if the video was going to tell us that we should, but... And we have found out. Clearly, we have discovered that you should. I, I, I must admit that I, I tell you what, I would love to come on if you can find someone who's really obsessed with Napoleon, because my, like, my other main thing oh, on TikTok is just... Oh, I know some Napoleon. people. I, my other main thing on TikTok is just annoying Napoleon fans. I don't even really have like that much of a stake, but Napoleon fans get really upset when I say Alexander was better than he was. I would love to see that argument. We should start hosting debates. That'd be fun. 
I would love, I would love, as long as it's like a fun debate and it's not yeah. gonna like, get like, everyone involved cancelled. Like, I like, <laughs> like, like I would, I would be up for that. Like Napoleon, anyone who's on Cromwell's side, like there are some serious Cromwell. The Cromwell fan base hates me because I did an entire hit piece on him on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I find it very, very odd that there is a Cromwell fan base. There's a fan base there's for a, everything on the internet. Let's be real. There's a staunch. Uh, I mean, I had to, like, in my Cromwell video on, on YouTube, I did openly admit that he did help the Jewish communities in England, like, and that was pretty much the only nice thing I said. Because I, I have to admit it from a, I, I openly said the video, look, I hate Cromwell, I'm going to be biased, um, like, enjoy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, 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 was, I was as unbiased as I could be, but I will admit, it's like, I, I recently did videos on Catherine the Great and I discovered that I don't actually like her. Um, my opinion on her changed greatly. But my opinion on Cromwell didn't change. The more I researched him, in fact, the more I hated him. Um, no, there is very, very... I've been... I've had threats from people for making bad stuff about Cromwell. People get very... Technical. Cromwell was an objectively bad person, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's people that argue that the stuff he did was normal for the time period. And that I'm like, doesn't make it okay. Yeah. That's like, oh, no, no, Vikings, just because it was Vikings. normal to oppress the Irish for a solid thousand years doesn't mean you should do it. <laughs> valid. Being a very heavily okay. Irish person, I, valid. I can, therefore I should, is not a, a path to <laughs> good decision-making. No, never. Also, never. Uh, Captain Alien says, wheels, a regular semi and trailer has 18 wheels. If you have double or triple, that's 30 wheels, I believe, for three trailers. Heavy hauling wide loads has ungodly amount of wheels. That's true. Yeah. Boats. Do boats have wheels? Containers. What about containers? The containers for that are used for shipping and container ships. That's a lot of doors. Yeah, but each of those doors has a hinge, therefore... Yeah. I don't know if I'm counting hinges. I'm on, I'm, I'm on team wheels. I'm on team wheels, and a wheel is a pretty defined shape, like... I don't. I, I'm in in my in my idea. I'm not going to count hinges. Those are just cylindrical rods, and that's not a wheel. You're a cylindrical rod. In a way, right, yes. Well, if you think about it, right. So they're, they're very cylindrical, yes. But what about the the steam rollers that put roads down? You know, their massive front bit. That's technically a wheel. Yeah, that I'm not considering that a wheel. That's a wheel, and that's what's in a hinge. It's a wheel. It's a wheel. The same thing that's in a hinge. No, the hinge, the, the hinge is the axle. The hinge is the axle. Hinge to door hinge, like, apparatus, is axle to car, essentially. Like, you wouldn't consider a drive shaft to be a wheel. You wouldn't consider a log to be a wheel. You wouldn't download a wheel. <laughs> you wouldn't download a car, would you? Yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna agree to disagree with you on the on the hinge bit. All right, but, fine. But we agree there are more wheels. Yes. Oh, okay, I'm still on team matters. wheels, right. but I, I like thinking of so, more variables that really yeah. just kind of like throw a wrench in the whole thing. Hammond for two dollars says Napoleon fanboys ask the historical Total War people. That's true. That is a good place to find Napoleon fanboys. Another person's go after because I will argue that he was completely useless, and the only reason we actually think about him is because Peter the Third pulled the troops, the Russian troops, out of Prussia. Um, is Frederick the Great totally useless and overrated? And I will stand by that statement. We might have to do a show where you just explain that because that is an opinion I don't usually hear. 
but Napoleonic <laughs> history is not what one of my strong suits. Um, Fred, Fred, Fred the Great has some very hardcore fanboys, and I've literally only said that to annoy them. But um... okay. right. uh, Douglas Eyes for five dollars. Thank you. Says first time catching the show live, watching while I fold towels at work. Love the show. Thank you, Douglas. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, the only reason I would like the Napoleonic era is purely because of uh, Master and Commander and the other like naval warfare stories that come from that. So I'm, I'm big in that. I, I, I know a couple of really good Nelson stories. Oh, um, yay. So, uh, surprisingly, the, the British kid knows Nelson stories. <laughs> <laughs> There's no shame in it. He's worth knowing about. Yeah. What are your thoughts on John Paul Jones? You know what? I don't know who that is. Oh, I bet Lord. they don't teach them. We how do we? How do <laughs> I we, bet they no, don't they definitely teach don't them. Teach them. They definitely don't teach them. They don't even teach him here. Yeah, we learned about him. No, we didn't. He, he was. He, we, we should do a history hut on JPJ. I told you we could do that months ago. Why haven't we? You didn't do it. Oh, you wanted me to. Yeah, do Yeah, wanted video. you to do the video. Oh, I can do the video then. Okay, then next time we film, you do the video. Sounds good. I'll do. I'll do. Because you said you wanted to talk about um, Owen, Owen Glenn's widow. I actually looked him up because the only real stuff I know about him is off of Horrible Histories and the one song they did. And the only thing I really knew was that he was meant to come back if England ever threatened Wales again. And I thought, I mean, I know a lot about what English and Welsh histories and given the last couple of hundred years especially, he should have probably come back a couple which, of times. Which figure is this? Um, uh, Owen, Owen Glenn Dwyer. Oh, I've never heard of that guy. Who's that? <laughs> I did. I did my research papers on him in college. He's yeah. No, he's the same as King Arthur. They said that uh, he was going yeah. to come back whenever the Welsh people were facing oppression by the English. Um, I don't know. Maybe he was like next time the Welsh people win their independence and face oppression again. Because I, I think he had too much faith faith in the Welsh to uh, actually try and resist. That's fair. Also, in his defense, the Welsh haven't tried to resist. Also, Captain That's Alien. Uh, for your information, shipping containers have four doors, not two, and I respect the fact that you're mentioning that you've hauled a lot of wheels in semis, but, and being on the side of more wheels than doors, have you ever seen how many containers are fitted onto a container ship? It's a lot. Still on the side of wheels, though. Anyway. Alright, uh, Iz says, for five dollars, thank you, Iz, I can, therefore I should, is my life motto. Why do you think I'm such a hot mess? That's valid. Valid. At least you're self-aware it is. It's, that's technically Alexander's motto as well. It's True. Yeah, I, know, I, I, I know too many people who live by that motto, and it's not it's, a good uh, It's kind of an inversion of the, the Veni Vidi Vici. The, it's instead of I came, I saw, I conquered, it's I saw, I came, I conquered. I guess. Yeah. In certain circles, yes. Um, what time is it? It is eight twenty-four. We have six All minutes right. until so, we're. Yeah, we have we have six minutes. If you have burning questions, now is the time. Uh, Kira Ord says this show has quickly become my favorite, and look forward to every episode. Oh well, thank you, Kira. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, and she even got her mom to look into the show because she got her degree in history. We love that. Love to see it. We love to see it. Um, while we got a moment here, uh, in a little bit of a pause, Ryan, do you wanna you wanna. Like you know, pitch yourself. You want to give us your your socials, and we have your we have your at in the description. But I just want to give you a shot to you know explain uh, yeah, who you are. Yeah, sure. Um, so obviously, uh, I started off on TikTok, and my TikTok is History Daddy. 
um, just doing comedy sketch. I started off doing what everyone does on TikTok, just random stuff, and then I did my uh, first Alexander sketch, it went viral, um, and now I focus, I don't even really use the audios anymore, I focus pretty much very short sketches um, on, on history on TikTok, and they're very, they're very broad, they're not very deeply historical, and if you want a more historical outlook, um, I do um, sort of 20 minute apart videos on YouTube, which are still comedy based, it's still focus on comedy, um, but because it's not TikTok, I can get away with a lot more. So my comedy is it tends to be a lot more dark. You mess with your more dark offensive humour. Um, that's like go for it. Um, yeah, that I, I tend to focus more on like long form informative content on YouTube with comedy mixed in. Mm-hmm. Um, I then have I you know regular stuff Twitter. Um, uh, any any social I can get my hands on. Um, I, I, I recently joined Odyssey because that that seemed like nothing coming on. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much. Right. Is it History Daddy um, on all of them? Yes, History Daddy on on and everything. All right. Um, yeah. But, but I do have one quick question to ask. Sure. Um, who do you think King Arthur is? Hmm. Who do you think King Arthur? Who do you think King Arthur was in in history? The real person? Because I have a theory that I think you'll about about a specific individual. I. I believe so. The actual story of how the Saxons came over, it from what I've read, isn't like there's a lot of legend mixed in with it mm-hmm. to the point where we're not like a hundred percent sure. Um, well, they came so, over twice. Like, yes, yes. Um, but the Saxons, the main idea is like that that we'd been the Saxons have been working as as um, mercenaries for the Romans, and we're like the Romans are gone now. This seems fun, but the actual like negotiations amongst the Celtic kingdoms, which we know horrendously little about, which agitates me, that gap mm-hmm. where the, the 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 Celtic kingdoms would be so interesting because I want to know about that dynamic of moving back to pagan roots while looking yeah. at Christianity and Roman culture. It's a very interesting time period, and no one wrote it down, um, except for the Romans, who are currently running uh, away. And Gildas um, and Bede. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they were giving sermons, so... <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, so I, I think that Arthur, one, because I actually read, I have a Celtic myth and legends book um, written by Peter Berifidelis in the back where Arthur is actually the villain and he's described as a Saxon in one of the stories. Um, and I think that he may have been um, one, like either a Saxon that switched sides in one of the, the, the one of the various wars or an amalgamation of various Celtic lords that led an alliance, because that is the only way, and that he was sort of like amalgamated. I think he was probably multiple people. He definitely did exist, but he was also definitely nowhere near it as strong as this, a lot of the stories suggest. And I also think that he, like, may have been just straight up killed, like Spartacus style, on the battlefield. Yeah, I, I, I definitely... I... The idea that he was a Saxon is odd to me, but um, mm-hmm. the one that I, I do see, I do see That's the amalgamation fine. argument, but I don't. I don't think he was an amalgamation, but I do think it was a title. I think Arthur is a title. That is, and that is my opinion because of the Welsh language, um, the fact that if you take uh, certain Welsh words uh, and put them together, a hundred, few hundred years later, you could get something like Arthur. Uh, for example, uh, if it was Ardri, which would be High King, um, or if you did Arth, uh, Arthur, Arthur, I think. There, there's one in which it becomes uh, basically like Great Bear, 
So Great Bear and High King are the two name are the two titles that I think you could get out of it. Uh, and then especially with the addition of Pendragon, which could mean which could be Pendrech, which could be uh, High King Great Dragon, which, in my opinion, knowing Welsh folklore about dragons, uh, sounds very possible. But yeah, I I don't know if I could name a specific historical figure, yeah. but uh, Ambrosius Aurelianus is the one that I was taught is most likely Arthur. Uh, but looking at it, I think the, the story about it, the stories about it, first of all, um, if you read like Nennius, who obviously was writing a, a little bit later, uh, he says that Arthur, though there were many more noble than he, was elected 12 times to lead the Britons. So it sounds to me like it was one specific person, probably a lesser nobleman who had shown some sort of strategic and tactical prowess, but we've lost that person's name over time. I've I've heard that he was a Roman multiple times. It's yeah. one of the like after uh, after him being because obviously, like um like the idea of like um the, the Welsh legends what wasn't wasn't itself because obviously Welsh, I make like um originally comes from the Saxon word Wales, which means mm-hmm. foreigner, which was like, quite like it's kind of ironic. Like, yeah, kind of ironic. Um, I mean they did that on purpose, hundred percent. That was they, done they, on purpose. Yeah, they called themselves the company. Yeah. Um. Because the, um, I mean, Germanic people at that point in time, obviously the Romans knew very well. There's a reason the Romans never managed to, to get into the Germanic tribes. Um, so the Germanic tribes were like very much like if it's if it's ours, it's it's ours, and if it's yours, it's ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which the Scandinavians then ran with later on. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, I've lost, entirely lost my train of thought. But <laughs> I, yeah, no, I think if he, if if I, I think if if he wasn't. Celtic. He definitely wasn't Saxon. The only other reason I say that is because of the way he was co-opted by Saxons later on. Yeah, there and was I, a I weird like Tintagel Castle was built because English kings, at this point, like England had been amalgamated, were obsessed with becoming King Arthur. In fact, the idea of ruling the entirety of the British Isles comes from English kings wanting to be Arthur, because yeah. Arthur in legend ruled the entirety of the British Isles. Right. So a lot of people will often blame Arthur for the, the, the English urge, even though technically it wasn't until after the Anglo-Norman period started, mm. and which is my get-out clause. Um, <laughs> all the bad things that happened, um, I blame it on the Anglo-Norman. Um, uh, it was just this idea of I'm I'm Arthur because Arthur is amazing, so I'm going to take it all. Um, I I don't think he could be Celtic because Celtic leaders that, that don't like if you look at Brennus, he was the last really successful Celtic um, king, and I don't think there would be a Celt. Like, and this may sound very bad, but I, I don't think there was a, in that time period any Celts left that were that tactically well-minded to bring that legend to bear. And so so that's... I think it probably would have been Roman. That is the thing about um, the uh, about the Arthur legend is that he's not. First of all, he's you know he's extraordinarily successful against the Saxons. Um, Brennus was extraordinarily successful against the Romans, which is why Brennus is special. Yeah, and the Greeks. Yeah, so Brennus is special because he was going up against much much better disciplined armies. Um, Yeah, but with Arthur specifically. Uh, the idea that he was a member of the Romano-British, like, civil elite mm. comes out a lot because the Celts, the, the Welsh at the time, were not using cap heavy cavalry. 
Um, that was a distinctly Roman mm. military tactic. The Saxons also weren't doing it. So in all of the stories we get, the most contemporary stories we have of Arthur, he's leading cavalry charges, which leads people to believe that he's probably a member of the Romano-British culture, which means that he could have been fully Latin, but it's also entirely possible, in fact, it would be probable, given the time period, that he was probably of both Celtic and Latin stock. That makes more sense, actually. <laughs> actually, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, so he was probably a, you know, a, a low-ranking, um, you know, military or uh, civil leader who was then elected. Uh, it doesn't seem like he was a traditional, um, mm. you know, hereditary high king, which is kind of the way he's painted. Um, the, for example, the, the story that Disney tells, you know, the, the classic uh, Sword in the Stone story, which I can't remember exactly when that part emerges, but the idea of Arthur not being... Frank. Yeah, that's what I thought. The idea of Arthur not being noble at birth or being noble at birth but hidden away to not be so people didn't know, that one seems to actually make it all the way through all of the other revisions. You know, Because originally it's Arthur wins 12 battles and the final one at Mons Baden, he routes the Saxons so hard that they retreat over the sea and don't come back for 100 years. Um, you know, that's Arthur's great triumph in Nennius's uh, account of events. But if you go and you look at uh, the, the later, you know, Le Mort d'Arthur, uh, he's, he's conquered the whole world. He's gotten to China. Like, um, yeah. So mm. it, it's a fascinating case study in how, uh, you know, folk heroes emerge and evolve over time. But it's, it seems very exactly. unlikely to me that, you know, he was anything more than a prince. In later revisions, there's actually hints that parts of Alexander's story was added in. I would 100% believe that. Like any 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 revision that was happened after like the 1100s was almost always from the French, and the French added in stuff like the Round Table. Yeah. The, um, the lady, I think the Lady of the Lake might have actually been from an earlier story, but almost completely different in how it goes down. Um, the Saxon revisions were mostly just like, oh yeah, no, Arthur will come back and defend um, defend the Britons, and then the Saxons were like, well, wait. I suppose we're technically Britons. No, you're not. You're just yeah. Are we the Britons? Just as yeah. a, I, I know we're at time, but I just I want to get one last thing in. Okay, one last thing. Then we've got two more. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it? It's gone. It's gone. What was I gonna say? <laughs> Shit. Um, oh yeah. Well, do you, do you know when the uh, the earliest mention of Arthur in literature is? Because no. this is fascinating. It is less than a century after his death. Everyone thinks that Arthur is not mentioned for hundreds of years, that he's this folk hero that emerges around the time of Nennius, who's writing in the 9th century. But Arthur's name is mentioned um, in a very, like, just passing way in uh, Igadothan, which is the story of, we believe it's the Battle of Catraeth, which is the Anglo-Saxons came over, and I, I believe it's Bebenbur, actually, that this all takes place outside of, which ties into The Last Kingdom, if anybody's been watching. Um, but the Anglo-Saxons come over, and the king of uh, Gadothan reaches out to all the other Celtic kings and says, hey, we got this, these, these Saxons are back, they landed. You know, because Arthur had driven them out at the beginning of the century. We get to 600 AD, and the king of Regeth is, hey, we need help. I think it's Urien of Regeth, if I remember correctly says, we need help, uh, everybody's got to come together and help us push out the Saxon threat. And so they gather, I think it's 
300 soldiers? It's either 150 or 300, but I think it's 300 um, soldiers to go yeah. to go and uh, they, they feast for like a year at, at the palace in Godothan, and then they all march south. And the story itself, for the most part, is just a list of names, deeds, and how they died um, of all of these great Welsh heroes who came to the battle, but all of them died. And it's written by Anirin, who is claiming to be the sole, survival of the battle, sole survivor of the battle. Uh, Anirin may have been a brother of Gildas, but that also may just be a later connection between the two to try and give them each credibility. But Anirin writes Igadothan and has this one line where he's talking about a guy named Gurdarthur. Uh, not saying that that's Arthur, but he says, Gurdarthur, who was not as great as Arthur, da-da-da-da-da. Like, so it's literally name, he's not as cool as Arthur, and then his deeds. So it's clear that Arthur in 600 AD was a figure that uh, poets, at the very least, were familiar with. So he must there must have been an Arthur. He must have been called Arthur by then. The question is, who was he? Was that his name or was it a title? But he he is mentioned in 600 AD. Um, so that that I think is fascinating. But that's that is the one reason that I am so hardline that Arthur was a real person even if he was in some way an amalgamation. But I want to get to these last two super chats so that we can... Uh, okay, okay. So we can let you go to bed. Jeez, dude. Um, I'm not going to go to bed for another couple of hours. So, Sequitur Tenebris says, I know it's unrelated to tonight's stream, but can we get a video on the Wyoming zombie outbreak from 1848? Did you write that down? I did write that down. Nice. Yes, you will. Um, Hammond for $5 said, here's a question. Why is England called England? It's the Angles that came over, not the Angles. We should be speaking English, not sa not English. I, uh, I, I, I can't explain it in a brief sentence. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's really at that point kind of an etymology issue in the way linguistics works. Um, the the term Alfred came up with was Angloland, um, possibly because Anglia was already a place. Mm. and he wouldn't want it to get confused. So Angloland became England, because let's be realistic, Angloland sounds stupid. Um, but he was hardline ride-or-die Angloland his entire life. Uh, and if you watch The Last Kingdom or Vikings, uh, he says England. He would never have called it England. Nobody from yeah. that time period would ever have called it England. <laughs> that bugs me, like, I just have one dream, a united England. I'm like, who are you, Teddy Roosevelt? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But, uh, all right, well, um, the ant people can also go on the list. <laughs> um, all right, well, I think that takes us to about the end of the show. We got to get ready for that, uh, that movie night. Yes. Um, you have plugged yourself, so we don't need to do yeah. that. Um, but yeah, is there any, do you have any final thoughts you would like to say before we end the show? Um, no, obviously, you know, I've got plenty of other historical characters I'd like to talk. I'd love to talk about Ethelfled, the Lady of Mercia, so if you ever want me to come back on, I'll... Oh, we can absolutely have an entire show dedicated to the, the Last Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, I, would... I need to catch up with last season, but um, definitely. The real Ethelfled is a lot more um, badass than yeah. the show. Yeah, but I would, I would absolutely do a show about that, do an episode, so let's definitely do that. Um, and yes, Taylor, I will try and get the blue hair done this week. Oh, I want to see that. I'm very excited for this. Kill me. All right. Teddy Roosevelt is king of England. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Well, Ryan... A sketch of BBC. Hmm? 
there's actually there's actually a, a BBC sketch about um, a, a, an American guy who comes over and he's taking DNA tests and it turns out he's related to a Welsh prince. And it's like it's just really funny because they're talking to each other in in, in Cymru, I think that's the the language. And um, I probably said that wrong. Um, and they're, they're talking to each other and they're like, he's an idiot. And it's just like this whole argument where this is an American guy going, no, I am the Prince of Wales. Where's my throne? And it's funny. I definitely recommend it. I'll have to take a look. All right. Um, really quickly, someone wants to wants you to spell the thing that you said oh, last. Oh, about... uh It is Y space G. O D D I N. Godothen. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I... Welsh. Yep. And uh, you're going to be able to find it. Just be prepared. It is not written in modern English. It is written in modern English, like in terms of the words, but it, it is very much not written the way modern English poets and authors write. It mm. is the that archaic, early medieval. Um, you know, bardic poetry that is meant to be recited at various uh, events. So um, that that will just about do it for the night. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, and uh, I think talking about the the Viking invasion of England would be a fun episode too. So we'll definitely make a make yeah. a point of doing that. But uh, we got to hop off. So thank you everyone who tuned in, and thank you to everyone who tuned in afterwards to watch the replay. Uh, <laughs> I made Mattis. I'm Aiden Thornberry. I'm Ryan Day. <laughs> and this has been the Lore Lodge. Thank you all for coming. Good night.